So NPAN did some research. Uh, it was almost 10 years ago now. And um, we collected data from all over the country. And it was roughly to, to open up a small inspected facility of like 5,000 square feet. You needed about 1,200 beef or beef equivalent a year to break even, right? That's not to make a profit, just bare bones. Welcome to MeatsPad, a platform dedicated to sharing breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the meats industry. On each episode, we will hear from meat specialists and professionals to talk about numerous topics in meat science. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation, FiscoFan is a global leader and innovative partner in the food industry who provides solutions for the casing market. IFA, slaughter and meat processing tools. SmartLockerUSA.com, safe for butchers, simple to use, but not vegan friendly. Hello, me folks. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Today, uh, I'm honored to be finally in person with one of our guests and. For some of you that don't know, um, Rebecca Thistlewaite, I always get it wrong, but now <laughs> I, I think I got it right. Uh, she was one of the of the first persons who trusted uh, this podcast when I first started. Um, thank you for for everything uh, and welcome, welcome. I think we have a, a good, good uh, breakdown of questions for you um, and this is your podcast. Welcome, welcome to, to Meets Path. Thank you. I'm excited to be here in person and meet you in person finally. Is this your first or second AMP? I've never been to AMP before. Okay, this is your first. Yeah. What's your first impression? Um, it's huge. You know, great turnout. Um, I love the trade show floor. Lots of great conversations with people. And it's just fun to shake hands with people I, I've only interacted with by email or, or Zoom sessions. So just super happy to be here. And I apologize because I didn't mention. So we're still, uh, we recorded some sessions. Uh, we, we partnered with the, the American Association of Meat Processors uh, here on the 83rd edition. So Rebecca is the director of the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, MPAM. Yep. And I, I, I'm, I have the privilege to work as, a, uh, as an advisor for, for the association. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but please tell us uh, some of your role and, and what what NPAM is. Yeah, so NPAM started in 2008, and believe it or not, actually started here in Iowa at Iowa State University by a grad student in the meat science program named Arian. Uh, And he partnered with this other grad student at Oregon State, Lauren Gwynn, and they realized that for all the great work that Extension does, especially for farmers and ranchers, they really didn't have any program that was targeted to meat processors and specifically small-scale meat processors, which makes up the bulk of meat processors in America. I think 93% of meat processors in the U.S. are considered small or very small. Um, you know, the, the large packers have their own trade associations and probably have their own in-house R&D and training, um, but there really wasn't anything uh, to provide research and education for the smaller processors. The small yeah. So that's how we got started 14 years ago. I, I started with NPAN six years ago as the program manager, just developing content and curriculum for processors, and then took over three years ago as a director. Um, and I'm super happy that we're, we're getting additional funding to expand our team, and now I actually have a program manager who's helping me develop content. But 
We are completely responsive to the needs of meat processors. So we survey them every year in January. We say, what do you want to learn about this year? And then we spend the year developing content for them. So whether that's web pages or case studies or webinars, short courses, videos, um, you know, podcasts, supporting podcasts, whatever format um, and education they want is, is what we provide. And then more recently, in the last couple of years during the pandemic, we've provided a ton more one-on-one um, -on -one technical assistance and consulting for startups and new, pre new meat processors because there's a lot of new entrance into the marketplace. So we provide a lot of like one-on-one -on -one advice directly to processors. So I, I know um, I get to interact a lot with small mid-sized meat processors. Uh, and in fact, at uh, Ultrasur Academy, we host up to, I mean, ranging from 18 to 22 processors. And, and we get a lot of questions. But I know you get more questions on a daily basis. And, and, and I know you have created a, a consulting uh, team for mm -hmm. those questions. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of the common common questions that you get on a daily basis from meat processors. And I think we can facilitate a conversation and and maybe answer or, or the common questions for that they may have for, I mean, regarding meat processing, uh, building, expanding, and, and that type of things. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Yeah, well, we get so many of the same questions that we on our website, we have a beginner's guide to meat processing. So we go over the very basics, like what are the regulations? What are the economics? And then last year, uh, I got funding from USDA to produce this little um, document called So You Want to Start a Meat Plant? And it really just goes over all those basic questions. So it, it, when people call me, especially newbies and beginners, I tend to funnel them first towards those resources so I don't have to answer the same question over and over again. And then I say, read these documents. If you still have questions, come back to me, book a half an hour call with me for free or one of my consultants that I have on the team now. And now I've put together a team of, I think there's 11 of us that take questions in kind of different subject areas, yep. you know? Since I started that consulting team in March, uh, we've served 84 clients, um, vast majority of them being startups, but some of them are existing operators who want to expand or upgrade equipment or potentially apply for federal grants. Um, but, you know, the, the most common, like, startup questions that I get are, Usually from cattle producers or other other producers who, you know, have a couple hundred head are having difficulty getting on the schedule anywhere and, you know, complaining about having to wait six, 12 months to get on the schedule. And they're frustrated and they have determined that they need to take matters into their own hands and open up their own facility. And so they call me saying, you know, is this a good idea? What do I need to know? You know, um, uh, you know, wh what are the pros and cons? 
you know, what kind of financing do I need to have to consider opening a plant? Just all the nuts and bolts of opening a new facility. And so, you know, I either take those questions directly or I farm it out to one of my my consultants. And now that I have a team of us, I kind of can send them to the right person. You know, you, you're on the team. If someone comes in and has is a Spanish speaker, I can send them to you. I have a facilities person. I have a grant. I have a couple grant writers on the team now. So luckily now I don't have to take all the questions because um, that's how it used to be for the last five years. And um, but yeah, that's the most common one is like. What do I need to know to get started? And you mentioned um, before recording um, a little bit of financing. How could, could you elaborate more on that and, and some of the um, the amount of animals to break even? Like if to if, even considering starting a, a new establishment, what do we have to con- to, to take into consideration? Yeah. So NPAN did some research. Uh, it was almost 10 years ago now. And um, we collected data from all over the country, and it was roughly to to open up a small inspected facility of like 5,000 square feet. You needed about 1,200 beef or beef equivalent a year to break even, right? That's not to make a profit, just bare bones. To that is how how many a day, roughly? Uh, that's like six to eight a day, right? Um, 50 weeks a year, but now according to our understanding of construction costs and labor costs, um, I think it's closer to 1800 is your break-even point. And, you know, if you want to talk about profitability, like a minimum of 2000 head a year. So that's closer to, uh, what is that, like 12 to 15 a day or something? Um, I don't have a calculator in front of me. But anyway, about, about 1800 to 2000 head a year bare bones to build an inspected plant and then the cost to build like a 5,000 square foot plant is roughly 400 to 450 dollars a square foot now depending on where you live in the yep. country so you're looking at a minimum of 2.25 million to three million dollars and that doesn't include equipment you know so probably closer to I don't know you're the equipment guy mm-hmm. three or four million um mi- Bare bones. Yeah, and it's good to know all that information because uh, when when you don't ha- when you don't have an easy and very digestible way to communicate, okay, you want to do it, mm-hmm. yeah, but this is upfront what what may cost you, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is this is good information. I mean, yeah, and thank you for all you do because, um, I mean, you, last episode that we had. From 2020 to 2022, there's been a lot, a lot of, a lot of new establishments. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of change, a lot of funding, mm-hmm. a lot of new uh, facilities, new people. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like folks that, like you said, cattle producers, like mm-hmm. had no idea what how to break down a carcass, mm-hmm. um, how that you have to have a quality assurance in your team, mm-hmm. have to have a HACCP plan. Mm-hmm. So all those things that until you're not in the business and, and understand how how the, the establishment is inspected, whether state inspected or USDA inspected mm-hmm. or custom, uh, for a custom mm-hmm. uh, slaughter. Tell us about some of the most common, um, I would say maybe not questions, but some of the most common uh, reasons for processors to fail. Uh, and by failing, I mean, I've been six months in, 
12 months in and I'm making money. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the most common reasons for them to close a facility? Because I know there's been some um, some companies that have to like, pretty much sell all the equipment because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it didn't work. If you are a meat processor tired of you and your staff making endless phone calls to chase down order details from customers, SmartLockerUSA.com can help. Enjoy 100% customizable online order forms that automatically convert into a butcher sheet ready for your team. Track orders, send order and slaughter appointment reminders, track order history, and build customer profiles. SmartLockerUSA.com. Safe for butchers, simple to use, but not vegan friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of those processors come my way kind of on the down low and say, you know, I'm thinking about selling. How how do I prepare my business to sell? Or, you know, I, I can't keep a competent plant manager on the staff, so I need to lease this facility to somebody else. Or uh, there's also been, you know, nonprofits and government entities that have tried to build slaughter facilities and it's not necessarily the best business model and they come to me a few years later and say we need to find an entrepreneur to take this over so I I I receive a lot of those questions because they're looking for help you know on how to transition this business most of them want to still see it remain in operation you know Um, they realize the value they provide their community but they don't want to run it themselves anymore maybe they never were profitable or they're just sick of working 80 hour weeks or whatever um so i have a good understanding of what those reasons are and you know i i i think especially after the last couple years with processors owner operators working 80 hour weeks um i think a lot of them are just straight up burnt out you know just they didn't have that work-life balance and they can't take it anymore and they see the trajectory and they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like that moment where they can go back to having weekends and maybe go on vacation. They just can't take it anymore. So that's, that's a common reason. It's just not a good balance of work, work life. Um, second is, uh, employee turnover and the inability to keep competent plant managers and QC staff, especially leadership positions. Um, you know, they'll, they'll train people up because you can't really generally just find those people out on the streets, plant managers looking for jobs. So they often train people up and they get them to a competent level. And then those people leave for either another plant position or just a non meat processing position that pays better and has better benefits, you know? So, um, so labor, I, I think is, is another huge factor. Um, and then I think a lot of plants um, get built based on an idea that there's going to be a consistent volume of animals year round. Oh, well, I live in a county where there's more cattle than people, you know, like Montana. And I'm like, well, that's great. But where are your eaters? You know, where, where are the people who buy that meat? And then aren't all the cattle finished at the end of the year? Who's going to bring you animals during the wintertime in the spring? And they're like, they don't often think about that. I encourage them to think about that before they invest $5 million. But if they've already built the plant, um, that the volume inconsistency is, is a huge problem for cash flow and to be able to keep their employees on staff. So they have to start to figure out other things to do. So I encourage them to look at you know value-added products or RTE products or 
you know, if they're a vertically integrated outfit, could their staff work on the farm for part of the year and then in the plant for part of the year? Could they take hunted game? Like what else can they do to even out the volume? So I think those are probably like the three main issues. Um, But I'm concerned that a lot of new entrants are coming into meat processing because of all of the federal and state dollars that are coming their way that may not be ready and prepared for it. And, you know, we, you know, I'm trying not to be pessimistic, but I I am a little concerned in a couple years, we're going to see a bunch of plants for sale and a bunch of equipment for sale by people who probably didn't have the right volumes to begin with to get into it. Well, that's, uh, I think it's, bottom line is not only the financing portion of it. There's uh, a lot, a lot that goes into it. And we're here to help. So that's that's an important part before you even considering getting a plan, get all the, all the information from from people like you, uh, people like like us at Ultrasource that can help mm-hmm. you um, from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, even in the, in, the, in the startup plan. What do you want to do? And we have a, a great team of meat scientists who can help you out. And, mm-hmm. and they're very supportive of, of, of all this. So it's, I think it's a non- traditional time right you would see it was not normal five years ago seeing that yeah. many people interested in in getting new plans and and being involved in the main industry but i think it's good it's, it's a good time for the main industry yeah it's a good time for everyone it's a good time for amp so um, yeah i mean it's exciting there's a lot of infusion of new energy i mean it, i think it's great that we're seeing younger entrants into the processing space you know we need that um, and you know, I work for extension. I don't, I'm not selling anything. So my job is just to give people like the full suite of information. And so they know what they're getting into. You know, I don't, I don't want to, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat how hard this experience yeah. is. And when people come to me and say, I'd like my plant up and running in 12 months, I'm like, well, just double or triple that number. And virtually everyone I've worked with are like, you were right about that. It did take two or three years to get up and running. And I'm like, well, good. I'm glad you knew. But I genuinely believe that it's best to say the truth up front mm-hmm. than, than not saying just masking like, okay, this now is it's not it's not hard. You yeah. can anyone can do it. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people <laughs> doing that. So like, just you gotta think twice. Yeah. And even more. Mm-hmm. So Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for, for your time. I'm um, glad that we got to sit down here in, in Des Moines where Ampan was created. Um, oh, Iowa, not Des Moines. Yeah. Iowa, in yeah. Ames, right? Yeah. Eventually, it's like Iowa about State. an hour away yeah. in Ames, Iowa. Uh, uh, thank you for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, all the audience. Uh, we'll we'll keep uh, working to get all, the, all this content and, and all this knowledge. Uh, we, we talked with Dr. Hauser, which actually is a faculty at mm-hmm. Iowa State. Um, the importance of getting all the over all the things that sometimes over our heads mm-hmm. uh, as far as science and meat science how, how how can we have to translate it into um, layman's terms yeah. so I think that's part of our job mm-hmm. and and thank you thank you again for joining us today and hopefully we get to visit to the west side sometime oh yeah that'd be great thank you thank you thank you guys uh, we'll see you soon.